Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Seeky. Use code Bucket Center for $20 off your first purchase. It's been a while since I've recorded a podcast. This is actually the first podcast of 2020. So welcome everybody. We got a lot to talk about on this episode. We got the All-Star Reserves being announced. The entire All-Star lineups I'll react to. We got Kobe tragically passing away along with uh, other passengers in a helicopter crash, which I'll touch on. Uh, and so much more to talk about Harden's in a little bit of a slump, an idea for a tournament in honor of Kobe, but let's get into it. We'll start off with Kobe Bryant, man, and Kobe meant so, so much to me and so many other people across the world. Uh, may he rest in peace. May his daughter Gianna, who is only 13, rest in peace as well. He made such an imprint on the game of basketball on and off the court. Honestly, just the way he carried himself, his mentality, he's very inspirational for people across the world, Uh, the way he was dedicated to his craft, his passion, and I want to emulate a lot of the things that Kobe Bryant did in terms of how hard he worked and how motivated and determined he was to work his butt off to accomplish his goals and his dreams. And that's what I try to do with this podcast and just my platform and covering the game of basketball. Kobe was one of the first people to get me into basketball along with LeBron James, Uh, Back in about 2009, when I started watching basketball, I watched him against the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. That was Carmelo Anthony's led Denver Nuggets team. Kobe's first ring away from Shaq. Uh, That was really the time I started getting into basketball when that series was going on in the West. And you had Dwight Howard and the Magic going up against LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers out East. That's when I really started watching basketball. It's been a little bit over a decade since I've been watching basketball. and, And that's really my childhood right there, watching Kobe do what he did. He's kind of like my generation's Michael Jordan. So again, big salute to Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace, uh, but his legacy will live on forever. And he left so much uh, for us today that we really can use uh, as motivation to really strive to be the best at everything we do um, and not let setbacks hold us back. This man really came up and knocked down free throws after he tore his Achilles, man. He dropped 60 in his final game. He dropped 81 on Jalen Rose and the Toronto Raptors. So many crazy moments from Kobe being Bryant, the five-time NBA champion, uh, and what he did for the Los Angeles Lakers. Just crazy. Um, But we're going to segue and transition into the All-Stars, talking about the All-Star reserves, the All-Star starters. I'm going to go through who I think deserved it, who I thought potentially was snubbed. I didn't think the snubs were awful this year. There was two that were pretty significant. But other than that, again, like I usually say every year, everyone that makes the All-Star team is deserving. These are all All All-Star caliber players. We'll start off with the Western Conference, Damian Lillard. I mean, this dude had really a case to be an All-Star starter, especially what he did in the last month or so. And the way James Harden has been playing in the past month, you could really make an argument that Damian Lillard is a starting caliber player in the Western Conference, and he's playing at an MVP level. Okay, this dude, what he is doing is absolutely insane. Uh, his efficiency has been through the roof. Uh, he's also playmaking at a high level. He's the heart and soul of the Portland Trail Blazers. He's averaging 29 points a game. Four rebounds, eight assists on 46%, shooting 39% from three-point range, a 56 effective field goal percentage. The Portland Trailblazers are a plus two with him on the court versus a minus 10 uh, with him off the court. And the Blazers are fighting for a playoff spot right now in a tough, grueling Western Conference. And they've had a lot of injuries. Obviously, Nurkic has not played a game this season. CJ went down for a little bit. Uh, and then Melo's been oftentimes either their second or third best player. Whiteside's been really strong. 
Uh, but other than that, Dame's doing it with a lot of spare parts, and he's balling out of his mind, pulling from the logo. He is the best point guard in the NBA at this point in time with Steph Curry out. It's really between him and Luka Doncic and how Damian Lillard has been playing in this recent stretch and what we've seen him do in the playoffs, leading the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals, overachieving each and every season. I would give Dame the edge as the best point guard in the NBA right now. He's definitely deserving of an all-star spot. And I'm fine with him being a reserve because he really came on as of late. And Luka and James Harden both have their teams in the playoffs. Um, well, obviously, Dame does not. I still do think the Blazers can get into that eighth seed, but they're not right now. So I understand why he's a reserve, but he was an easy choice for a reserve. If they would have left Damian Lillard off this all-star team, that would have been absolutely absurd. Uh, Russell Westbrook's another guy that I think definitely deserved to make the all-star team. I know there's a lot of people saying that Devin Booker should have replaced him. And we'll touch on Devin Booker in a bit, but Russell Westbrook is averaging 26.5 points per game, eight rebounds, seven assists, 48 effective field goal percentage. He may not have had the best start to the season, but really as of late, he's been the MVP of the Houston Rockets. With James Harden struggling mightily this past month, his efficiency has been horrendous. Russell Westbrook's actually been more efficient as a basketball player. Russell Westbrook has actually taken over the scoring load, the playmaking load. He's been the guy with the ball in his hands at times more than even James Harden. So he's really coming into his own. And I think that's kind of what the Houston Rockets had in mind for when James Harden struggling for Russell Westbrook to step in and be that guy. And he's definitely an all-star caliber player having a very, very solid season this year. Rudy Gobert is another dude where it's just, he's an absolute lock. I know he might not be the most entertaining all-star player to watch, but he's giving you 16 points. He's giving you 14 rebounds. He's shooting 69% from the field. He can free you open. Uh, with his screen setting ability, his rolling to the rim. He's an elite defender, one of the best defenders in all of basketball, the best rim protector in all of basketball, a DPOY candidate for sure. Uh, and he's the Utah Jazz best player in their playoff team. So that's easy uh, why Rudy Gobert got in the all-star game. And then Nikola Jokic. This is a guy who I've been saying religiously is the best center in basketball. He is your play initiator, your point guard, but he's also your center. Okay, that's crazy. He can score the ball. He can rebound. His defense has actually been a little bit better this year as well. He's extremely clutch, and the Nuggets are the two seed in the Western Conference. He's their best player. He's their driving force. And I know he also struggled to start the season, but he's really picked it up as of late. A lot of people slander the man because he's out of shape and yada, yada, yada. He's not the most athletic guy by any stretch of the imagination. He looks like a dude that could come up to your local rec center in his mid-40s and, and played basketball. But this dude is in the NBA, and he is the best center regardless of what he looks like, regardless of his athleticism or his physical gifts. He is the best-performing, impactful center in basketball right now. He definitely deserves to be an all-star. Other guys, Russell Westbrook, we already touched on. CP3 replaced Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. And his impact, even though it may not show completely on the stat sheet, his stats don't pop off the screen, but he's the clear driving force, the leader, the best player of an Oklahoma City Thunder team that is in the middle of the Western Conference playoff race. They have significantly overachieved. And yes, he does have guys like Shea Gilders Alexander. He has Danilo Gallinari. He has Steven Adams. There's other quality role players around him. 
but CP3 is a driving force in this operation. Don't get it twisted. When it comes to clutch time and they need a bucket, they go to CP3. The floor general, the guy that runs the show is CP3. He's definitely their all-star. And for the Thunder being a playoff caliber team and overachieving the way that they are, several games over 500, you have to give the nod to Christopher Paul uh, to make the all-star team for sure. Uh, and then the last two guys to make the All-Star game were a little bit controversial when you talk about Donovan Mitchell and Brandon Ingram. Obviously, I love Brandon Ingram. I thought he was going to be the most improved player last year, and he's really coming on and looking like the most improved player, at least in that conversation this season. And he's having a good season. He's having an All-Star caliber season. I probably would have given the edge to Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, this is a dude that's averaging a double-double. He's efficient as hell from everywhere on the floor. Uh, he's the second-best in terms of most talented center in the Western Conference, but he's the second best production center to me behind Nikola Jokic. It's either him or Gobert. I understand Gobert making the all-star team over him, but I do think Towns should have got a forward spot uh, over Brandon Ingram. Both teams are not playoff teams right now. I think the Pelicans can get there, but right now they're not a playoff team. And yes, Towns' team is at the bottom of the Western Conference standings, a game or two ahead of the Golden State Warriors, but still, they have not won in a very, very long time. He does not have much to work with, uh, but the numbers that he's putting up and just his talent overall is just superior to Brandon Ingram. Despite Brandon Ingram having a very good season, I don't think the level which Brandon Ingram is winning at is enough to give him the edge over Towns, not to mention when you figure out their advanced numbers, Towns is actually having a bigger impact on his team's success, even though it's not quite as much success as New Orleans Pelicans are having, he has a bigger impact on his team's success uh, than Brandon Ingram, which is why I believe Towns should have made it. I know games played. He didn't play enough games, I guess a lot of the voters would think. Uh, but he did play about 60, close to 65% of the Minnesota Timberwolves game. So I feel like that's, that's enough to make the All-Star team. But again, they don't really have a clear-cut criteria uh, for things like that. So it's kind of hard to gauge. Um, and then obviously Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker should have made the all-star team over Donovan Mitchell. Yes, I know that the Utah Jazz are winning at a higher rate, but I do not believe Donovan Mitchell is the best player on the Utah Jazz. He is the best scorer. He's a go-to scorer. He's putting up similar numbers as Devin Booker, but Devin Booker's numbers are better and he's doing them more efficiently. And the Phoenix Suns are a net positive team when Devin Booker's on the court and they're negative extremely when he goes to the bench. This is not a playoff team. They're still fighting along with Brandon Ingram's Pelicans for a potential playoff spot. But Devin Booker is the only reason this team is somewhat relevant right now. And I've said before that I've left Devin Booker off the team in previous years. And people talk about, oh, Devin Booker's averaging yada, yada, yada. He's putting up crazy numbers. My thing was you can't be that good if your team is literally the worst team in the Western Conference. Towns is getting close to there. He's a second to worst team. But he's also not competing with the level of guards that Devin Booker's been competing with on a year-in, year-out basis. He's competing with Brandon Ingram, who's a borderline all-star caliber player. But when it comes to Devin Booker, when you're continuously the 15 seed out of 15 teams in your conference, it's hard for me to give you an argument uh, for you to make the all-star game unless your numbers are just so tremendous um, that, that you're worthy uh, or you're just not going up against much competition. And this year, there's been no Steph Curry. There's been no Klay Thompson. This should have been the year that Devin Booker made the all-star team. His efficiency, as I've said before, is through the roof. And he's the reason that the Suns are not at the bottom of the Western Conference standings. And they're actually in the middle of the pack to try to get a playoff spot in the Western Conference. So 
I love Donovan Mitchell. He's doing great things for the Utah Jazz, but I do think Devin Booker should have got that spot over him. I do think that Carl Anthony Towns should have got that spot over Brandon Ingram. Paul George acknowledged that he hasn't played enough games to be an all-star, and he hasn't been as good as Carl Anthony Towns either when he was healthy. Um, so I understand why Paul George wasn't there. He's played less games in Towns. He just wasn't as good from a statistical standpoint, even the eye test. Uh, he's still finding his rhythm coming off of an injury. Um, but, but yeah, that's the Western Conference. Not as controversial to me as the Eastern Conference, uh, but I definitely do think Booker and Towns could have got in over Ingram and Donovan Mitchell. We switch over to the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler is an absolute lock. This dude is in some MVP conversations for where he has the Miami Heat. They're significantly overachieving. And Butler is the guy that has the ball in his hands the majority of the time. He's their top scorer. He can defend at a high level. He's their top playmaker. Uh, he does it all for the Miami Heat. And he's definitely an all-star reserve. And you could make an argument that he could even be an all-star starter, depending on how you feel about the caliber season Joel Embiid and Pascal Siakam have had. Ben Simmons is a lock as well as an all-star reserve. The dude's playing elite-level defense. Uh, his defense has been so insane. And a lot of people talk about, oh, he doesn't shoot the perimeter jumper. He's not consistently aggressive. But there was a stretch in which Joel Embiid was out of the lineup, and this man Simmons took over. He was dominant attacking the basket at will, asserting himself, and really stepping up in the absence of a superstar player. And we all know that's what Ben Simmons is capable of doing. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I do believe eventually the Sixers are going to have to decide between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They're just not a natural basketball fit. And I believe Ben Simmons should win that. I think they should keep Ben Simmons and move on from Joel Embiid. They should build around Ben Simmons because I think you need a rover-type player that can handle the ball that can run the show you want your best player to have the ball in their hands you want them to be a wing player big men you don't build around big men in the modern nba and win anything um and joel and b can't even stay on the court consistently he's a great player he's a superstar and he's an all-star starter i'm not trying to diss on him too much but i think for the sixers to have long-term success I think Ben Simmons is going to end up being a better player than Joel Embiid. The offense needs to run through Ben Simmons and not Joel Embiid. Um, that's just where I'm at when it comes to that. But Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, both all-stars. Simmons a reserve uh, and Embiid a starter. Uh, moving on, Chris Middleton. The dude's on a 40-50-90 season, bro. 40% from the three-point line, 50% from the field. 90% for the free throw line. The Bucks have the best record in the NBA. He's great defensively as well. His efficiency, his ability to put the ball in the basket is crazy. He dropped 51 points without Giannis on the court. This dude was a clear all-star lock. Casuals will say he does not deserve to be an all-star. It was clear as day. He's an all-star caliber player. I can't believe people are putting guys like Jason Tatum over him. He's clearly uh, one of the top players uh, in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, more than deserving of an all-star appearance. DeMontis Sabonis, a similar situation with him flying under the radar. People that don't watch the Indiana Pacers play would not understand how impactful he is because his game goes beyond the stat sheet. Uh, he's getting it done in the post, uh, averaging a double-double. He's the best player on a playoff team uh, in Indiana. Victor Oladipo just got back. He's barely played. Um, and DeMontis Sabonis is the reason they're in the middle of that Eastern Conference playoff picture right now when Oladipo is coming back. And now they can take that next step. But before that, it was all Devonta Sabonis-led. Other guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner. Um, the list goes on and on. Nick McMillan's a really good coach. He does have a lot of support around him. But this season, the way Devonta Sabonis is playing, he's more than deserving 
of an all-star appearance. Bam on the Bayou. He's the second best player on the Miami Heat team. He's also averaging a double-double. He also brings it defensively. He's actually a good playmaker too, averaging about five assists a game from the center spot. They do run a lot of their offense through Bam Adebayo as well as Jimmy Butler. Um, and he's definitely more than deserving of an all-star appearance. You're going to see it comes down to to wing players for me in terms of who should replace uh, Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum should be replaced by Bradley Beal. Uh, and the reason I say that is because both Sabonis and Bam Adebayo are both better playmakers this season. Uh, Dan Jason Tatum they're not scoring the ball as well but they're doing it very efficiently because they get a lot of their baskets from inside they're also playing really good defense so bonus is the best player on the playoff team which Jason Tatum can't say and Bam Adebayo's overall impact on the Miami Heat from a playmaking perspective a rebounding perspective uh, just an overall perspective Um, and at the time of the voting the Heat were actually higher in the standings than the Celtics it's also pretty close right now but also you got to think about Jalen Brown who's having a more efficient scoring season than Jason Tatum. And he's also impacting the game in a lot of the same ways that Jason Tatum is. Some people could even make the argument that Jalen Brown's having a more impactful season than Jason Tatum. Uh, So when you have a third guy that's really that impactful in your squad, you have three all-star caliber guys, that kind of takes a little bit of the value away from Jason Tatum uh, when you're talking about comparing him to Bam and Abayo. Because I would not say the third best player on the Miami Heat is anywhere near the level. that that Jalen Brown is. So that's why I'll give the edge to Bam over Tatum. But Tatum is an all-star, definitely an all-star caliber season. His impact on the Celtics has been felt, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He can put the ball in the basket too, averaging 20-plus points a game. Um, Kyle Lowry, and this man is the point guard of an NBA championship team. And I've really I've been critical of Kyle Lowry because I didn't know if he could show up in the playoffs. A lot of years he had let uh, the Raptors down in the postseason. He crumbled in big moments, especially against LeBron James. He had a one-point playoff performance against the Orlando Magic in the playoffs, and it looked like a here-we-go-again moment. But he did what he needed to do alongside Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam to help the Raptors win their first-ever NBA championship. He's come back and had another strong year despite some injuries. Uh, he, he's playing really well. The Raptors are on a 10-game winning streak and Kyle Lowry has been very instrumental in that. He's still their top playmaker. He's still averaging around 20 points a game. Uh, he's actually doing it on better efficiency than Jason Tatum is as well. I think he's having a better all-around season than Tatum. But both are having all-star caliber seasons. I definitely think Lowry should have got in. Um, but when we talk about that one final spot, I'm going to give it to Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is averaging 29 points a game, okay? And his three-point percentage has not been as good as it's been in years past, but the dude's an absolute baller. The numbers he's putting up don't even compare to Jason Tatum. And yes, Jason Tatum's on a winning team. He's on a successful team. But like I said, he's got two other all-star caliber players on his team. He's got a great coach in Brad Stevens. He's definitely not the driving force of the Boston Celtics. Bradley Beal is a driving force of a mediocre as hell Washington Wizards team. And the guys that that Bradley Beal is working with do not even compare to what the Boston Celtics have. I think a lot of Boston Celtics fans would rather have Bradley Beal on their basketball club right now. It's a shame that Beal didn't get in and they got a common theme of rewarding winning, even if you're not the top guy on your team. If you're getting buckets, if you're putting up the numbers and you're on a winning team, you got a better chance of making the All-Star game, which is fine. Like I said before, all these players are all-star caliber players, but I do think the exclusion of Bradley Beal and Devin Booker in particular uh, was pretty glaring with the kind of seasons that they're having. They're doing some pretty historic things. 
Um, and it's not even just scoring. They're both having good playmaking seasons. Their efficiency has both been pretty good. Um, I would say Bradley Beal as a whole is a bigger snub than Devin Booker just because I think Donovan Mitchell is definitely closer to to Booker than Tatum is to Bradley Beal, especially the Eastern Conference. I'm just kind of dumbfounded how a talented player like Bradley Beal does not make the game. I didn't think it was necessarily a lock just because of the fact that the Wizards are so bad. But, man, he's having the caliber season that's definitely deserving of an all-star appearance. That's really what I look at when I looked at the all-stars from both conferences. I'm not outraged like a lot of people on social media are. I'm not saying that it's rigged and it's politics and everything like that. Listen, everyone's got their own criteria. There's no set criteria for something like this. All these guys are all-star caliber players. I would have preferred for them to do like uh, how they do the voting for the starters, five guys in both conferences. But I really think they don't need positions. You know, like We can just have the best overall guys. Um, and the starters, yeah, have five guys represented from each conference. But other than that, for the rest of the team, just give me the 14 best guys uh, as reserves. I don't care about your positions. I don't care about what conference you're in. If there's better all-stars in the Western Conference than there are in the East, so be it. You've got to have the all-star game mean something and represent the best talent in the league, regardless of positions regardless of what conference you're in. Yes, winning does matter. Um, but as I say before, winning on a team where you're the driving force is so much more valuable than you being a supporting player. And yes, a lot of supporting players are very valuable. Look at Chris Middleton. He's definitely deserving of an all-star appearance and he is a supporting player, but his team has the best record in the NBA and he's his efficiency and everything he brings to the table is just so critical. Klay Thompson in the years past has been a supporting player and the Warriors have been one of the best teams in the NBA for years running. But like if you're a you're a middle of the pack playoff team and you're averaging 20 points a game, that doesn't mean you deserve to be an all-star over someone that is just a star, like top three, top five at their position, uh, but they're just on such a terrible team um, that, that they're not having the same team success. I don't think that should be the reason why they don't make it. But it's all subjective at the end of the day. I'm not super upset. I know a lot of people take this stuff way too seriously. At the end of the day, this is why I don't define players uh, by their resume necessarily in this aspect of how many all-star teams they make, how many all-NBA teams. Because that you, you've watched the season, and just because someone made an all-star game over someone else doesn't mean any of these guys are better than Kyrie Irving, who the only reason Kyrie Irving's not on the all-star team is he's only played 19 games. Um, so it's things like that to take into consideration. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought about the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference All-Stars. Obviously, the starters for the East, you got Kemba and Trey Young. A lot of people saying, how is Trey Young an All-Star starter when the Hawks are the worst team in the East? Well, he is top five in scoring and assists at the time that he was named an All-Star starter. Now, that's what he was doing. Okay, this is a second-year player that is balling out of his mind. He's the driving force of that team. Um, and yeah, his defense has been very bad. The Hawks is a team. They've missed John Collins. Similar to Devin Booker, who missed DeAndre Aiden for 25 games. Uh, he missed John Collins. And also, he got the fan voting, okay? The reserves are picked on exclusively by the coaches. Uh, fan voting, player voting went into the starting lineups, and Trey Young got enough of his peers and fans to recognize him to get him into the starting uh, for the All-Star game. Even though Bradley Beal's team has been better than Trey Young's team, it doesn't really work like that because he didn't get the player vote. He didn't get the, the fan vote. Um, to help him out when it comes to reserves. Uh, but for the front court, you got Giannis, obviously the leading MVP candidate. 
you got Joel Embiid, you got Pascal Siakam. For the West, it was a lot more straightforward. You got Luka Doncic, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, uh, and Anthony Davis uh, for the Western Conference. Should be a fun all-star game. I can't wait to see what they're doing with the draft. I know they're commemorating Kobe Bryant and his passing along with Gianna. Uh, wearing the number 24 and the number two for the respective teams. They're also doing a new all-star format. Uh, it will be really cool to see uh, how the game goes. And I'll definitely have another podcast with my reaction to those kind of things. Uh, but the one suggestion I had in terms of another way to commemorate Kobe Bryant uh, would be a one-on-one uh, all-star game tournament. It would be called the Mamba Tournament for obvious reasons. Kobe Bryant, the Black Mamba. I'd say eight players would be seated by the fans and they could play a game up to 24, twos and threes. Uh, and players would be incentivized to play in this game in Kobe's honor. And the winner would have tremendous bragging rights to be able to donate money uh, to the Mamba Foundation. It would just be really a cool way to see the one-on-one tournament we've always wanted to have, to see these guys go at it, but do it in Kobe Bryant's name and honor, play up to 24. Obviously, that was his number, eight players being chosen. That was his other number. Uh, and it would be really cool to see a lot of these guys go one-on-one. I think you could do something where you have like a six, seven and under bracket maybe, or a, uh, a, another side where it's six, eight plus. And so you can, you can split up the heights maybe. I don't know, something like that. You could figure it out. You wouldn't have to all do it on one day. You could spread it out throughout the entire All-Star weekend. I just think that would be a fun way to honor Kobe Bryant. I know a lot of people have been talking about the logo and a bunch of other stuff. I think that would be a really, really cool way to honor him. One-on-one tournament. We know Mamba was one of the coldest one-on-one hoopers uh, of all time, and he would love to see those guys compete, man. I think that would be a really cool idea. Uh, That's going to really cap it off. I mean, we did touch on Harden a little bit. The man is in a crazy slump right now. The Rockets are struggling. Uh, but I, I've touched on Harden in previous podcasts, man. We really got to see how this is going to turn out. I don't think it's going to go so well for the Rockets, but we'll see. Um, they still got a lot of season left. I'll do a breakdown, look at uh, some of my picks for various awards, and look at how these teams are going uh, at the second half of the season. The weekly podcasts are going to be back. Uh, welcome, guys. I'm happy to be back 2020. Um, I was sick a lot and a lot of other stuff came up for the new year, but I figured I would be continuing to drop podcasts once a week. We're going to get back on that grind. I appreciate being back. It was fun to talk about the all-star game to commemorate Kobe Bryant. Thank you guys. Peace.